This morning we made a bit of a plug for a title on <coughs> the online bookstore. Here's another plug for one of the other books which is on there. Uh, the Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert. It's an intriguing story of Rosaria Champagne Butterfield's conversion from being an LGBT activist living a lesbian lifestyle to a committed Christian and an articulate communicator of the Christian faith. And if you haven't read it, and if you are interested in uh, commending and engaging respectfully and biblically with the LGBT community, then this book is a must-read. Butterfield tells her story with a great deal of honesty in terms of, uh, yes, the actual support which she received from within the LGBT community, uh, and the struggle that it was for her to leave that as the claims of Christ took hold of her and of how she found herself uh, in a new family, a new community, the family of Christ. It's a model, really, of respectful writing. And that same title, Unlikely Convert, uh, suits also the story of Rahab. Rahab the shady lady, the happy hooker, the lying pagan who is commended for her faith. And it's an intriguing story because at one level it's, it's actually not necessary. You, you could, if the main thing is simply recounting the story of the conquest, then you can jump chapter two. It's not intrinsically necessary to, to tell of the the spies' adventure and their encounter with Rahab. <coughs> uh, it represents a, a hiatus, a pause in the narrative, just when we are ready to move on. We finished last Sunday uh, evening with the bugle sounding, the banners unfurled, the supply wagons loaded up, uh, the young men marching up and down, slapping each other in the back, shouting encouragements from tent to tent as they pack up ready to move on. And then we have the story of Rahab and the spies. And like Rosaria uh, Champagne Butterfield's story, it's told like it is. Even leaving some perplexing issues over which people have scratched their heads probably unnecessarily for many years. And yet it's important. Uh, this obscure Canaanite woman is mentioned with honour in the New Testament. In Matthew, in Hebrews, and in James. She is the first convert in Canaan. And if the armies of Joshua will come in order to fulfill the, the physical promise to Abraham that to his descendants would be given this land, this land of Canaan, then Rahab represents a first fruit, a, a first instalment of the promise that through Abraham's line all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Here is blessing falling upon this poor soul, this Canaanite uh, wretch in all her darkness brought into the line of Abraham. Joshua and his army are encamped in the east of the Jordan, just north of the Dead Sea. The first Canaanite settlement that they must take is the one just opposite 
called Jericho. 38 years previously, Joshua had been one of 12 spies sent in to spy out the land. And as far as 10 of the spies were concerned, they came, uh, they saw, and they copped out, decided that it wasn't for them. Now, Joshua is sometimes criticized by the commentators for sending spies in when God has already told him that uh, every place where his foot sets, God will give him the land. That's rather unfair on Joshua. (coughs) Joshua has no specific instructions from the Lord at this point. And in the absence of that, Joshua does what uh, any one of us should do in the absence of specific instructions from the Lord. He uses... uh, Well, not so much sanctified common sense, but sanctified military wisdom. And he sends out two people to reconnoiter before the action. That's a reminder to us that relying on the promises of God does not mean abandoning common sense. We're to use both. Where the path of God's uh, will is clearly laid out in the word our action is straightforward when we're only given a general view of the right way ahead then common sanctified common sense is to be used in determining the next steps and so Joshua sends out the two spies and they find refuge in the house of Rahab the prostitute now the way the chapter's patterned uh, points us to the declaration of faith which Rahab makes as being the the central part, the most important part. Now that's where we're going to uh, focus our thoughts this evening and looking at Rahab's faith. First of all, the aloneness of Rahab's faith. And then secondly, those elements that we mentioned earlier uh, in Rahab's faith, the knowledge, the the, the ascent and trust in her faith. Uh, Thirdly, the evidences of her faith. And then fourthly, the encouragement that her faith brought. First of all, then, the aloneness of faith. Uh, In the Reformation, uh, there were some uh, battle cries which went under the the, the heading uh, the five solas, or alones, of the Reformation. There was scripture alone, uh, sola scriptura, uh, the Christ alone. By grace alone, by faith alone, to the glory of God alone. And that faith alone battle cry underlines the fact that uh, when we are saved by God's grace, none of our works, none of, the, 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 none of our own efforts are brought into the reckoning. We are saved by faith alone. Not by faith plus sincere seeking. Not by faith plus uh, a certain amount of of knowledge or growth in Christianity. It is simply faith in Christ alone that saves us. All of these other things would simply smuggle in some merit on our part. And God's salvation is worked out 100%. From his side. We contribute nothing to the deal. Other than our own sin. We are saved by faith alone. In Christ. 
Now that's why it's important for us to just accept what the Bible says about Rahab uh, before she's converted. Rahab was a prostitute. Now the Jewish rabbis, uh, because of Rahab's later significance in the line of David, uh, wanted to honour Rahab. And so the rabbis would refer to her as an innkeeper, Rahab the innkeeper. Now, at one level, that's a reasonable move because the word actually translated prostitute can also be translated innkeeper. But for us, the issue is settled by the fact that the New Testament writers refer to Rahab as a prostitute. And we have that in both James and Hebrews. So let's not fall into the trap of trying to sanitize Rahab. When she met the spies, she may well have been dressed up looking for business. She would have been dressed for the kill, the makeup plastered on. Rahab was not the kind of girl a good Jewish boy took home to meet the parents. She was a woman of the night. It's absolutely important uh, to, to recognize that, to accept that full on. And people tend to notice the kind of people whom girls like Rahab hang around with. And someone in Jericho spotted the two spies with her and told the king. And the king of Jericho demands that she hand over the two men who are said to have come to spy out the land. And it's at this point that Rahab becomes somewhat economic with the truth. In fact, more than economic with the truth. Having first hidden the two spies under stalks of flax on the flat roof, she says to the king's messengers, Yes, the men came to see me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, the men left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly, you may catch up with them. Now this, of course, is a barefaced lie. <laughs> and a lot of uh, ink has been spilt over uh, trying to defend Rahab. You know, was, was she right or was she wrong in doing it? Maybe was she, she was right in doing it. It's a kind of military situation, is it not? And so on. But all of that really is besides the point. Sometimes the Bible simply records what happened. So not everything that's written or recorded in the Bible is for us to, to follow. It's not given to us as a kind of a moral line to take. Lying simply came naturally to Rahab. It's the kind of person that she was. She would have been lying every day as she went about her business. The prostitute of Jericho. And saying that simply magnifies the grace that now comes to her. Because she is no different from us. She's very different in some ways. But she's no different in that she has absolutely nothing with which to commend herself to God. And in her case, it's set forth before us very starkly. She's a prostitute who's telling lies all the time. And grace invades <coughs> Rahab's life. Never think that you or anyone else has to display a bit of self-improvement. 
before they can be received into God's family. God summons sinners to himself as they are. Let's look at Rehab's faith now. The, the story comes to a climax. In the narrative, there is a climax. And the, the high point is created at one level by the fact that the, sol- the soldiers, the two spies, are thrown into something of a crisis. The gate of the city is shut. Outside, there is a team of the king's men, maybe on horseback, who knows, searching for them. Inside, those who are connected with the king are in the know. They're alerted to the fact that spies have come into Jericho. How are they going to survive? Will Rahab decide to hand them over? And as we, as we read this story and as we try to read it with new eyes, uh, we need to feel with the spies something of the suspense, the uncertainty as to their future as they listen to Rahab's footsteps on the steps leading up to the flat roof. To their joy, they discover that Rahab has come to fear a king who is greater than the king of Jericho. I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all the country is melting away in fear because of you. But that must have been a huge comfort for uh, the friends to hear, the two men to hear. But more marvellous than that was what their new friend went on to say. Because uh, she indicates that she has heard about the, the mighty acts of God and has made a verdict on it. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. We have the first stage of faith here, knowledge of God. You know, our, our opponents, the atheists, they, they, they speak of faith as being a leap in the dark. Faith is not a leap in the dark. Faith is based upon our sure knowledge of the acts of God. We have facts in which we can rest our faith. Rahab heard about the great act of the Exodus in which God had liberated his people and brought them out of the land of Egypt where they were slaves, bringing them through the Red Sea. She had heard the fact that God had enabled his people to defeat kings and armies on their way to the promised land. And it's essential that we have knowledge before uh, we come to faith. That's why Christianity Explored, uh, plug, plug, is so good. Because it gives people time to, to hear the content of the gospel. You know, there's no sense in which people are muscled into making a, a quick decision based on insufficient knowledge. People sometimes need to hear the gospel again and again and again before uh, it all fits together in their understanding. Because our minds are important. The gospel comes first to our minds. That's why someone needs to go and speak. How will they hear us, Paul, unless they have someone to preach? It's one thing, though, to hear. 
Another thing, to agree and to make the correct conclusions. Uh, that's really what we're driven to. We hear the content of the gospel and the facts are set before us and the challenges make the right conclusion. And Rahab makes the right conclusion. She gives her assent to what she has heard. She could have said, oh, well, these stories that have reached our ears, are, you know, they're simply myths. There may be a grain of truth in them, but there certainly wasn't some foreign god that got them to where they are today. All around them, uh, people today have God's revelation. There's his revelation in creation, but there is also the, the special revelation which people hear of when, when they hear of parts of the Bible, when they, when they gain some uh, inkling of the, the, the story of, of God's uh, creation and, and his dealings with people. So, for example, the evidence from creation, the, the, the universe, everywhere pointing to a designer. <coughs> Men take flight into the idea of a Big Bang and use that as an alternative to a creator. But that in itself, it's, it's absurd without some explanation of uh, how matter can exist before that uh, Big Bang. There's the remarkable story of Israel in itself. No other nation on earth has, on the one hand, contributed so much to the well-being of humanity and, on the other hand, been so persecuted and yet shown so much resilience as the Jewish people. They have maintained their coherence as a people group uh, in the midst of incredible persecution and attempted genocide. There's the historical Jesus. No sane uh, historian today uh, doubt, doubts the fact that there was a, a Jesus of Nazareth, that he walked this earth. Well, his, his life is remarkable uh, by any standards. People are faced by the, the great towering figure of Jesus and the historical record. Uh, not least his resurrection from the dead, which is the great fact that the apostles pointed to when they preached the good news. There's the miraculous growth of the church itself moving forward uh, to being a persecuted tiny minority, to becoming, uh, in less than 400 years, the official religion of the Roman Empire. And then there's the impact of Christianity itself. It's an incredible impact like no other religion on cultures throughout the world. And the challenge is, go! <laughs> Go, go where the facts take you. Make the right conclusions. People resist the facts and resent the facts. But Rahab didn't. She not only heard the facts, she gave her assent to what the facts spoke to. For the Lord, your God, is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now this is... A remarkable move. This is a, a pagan of the lowest order whose belief system has been a, 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 one of a pantheon of gods. Now speaking of the God of Israel, of Yahweh being the one true God 
uh, who is not only up there, but is down here doing on earth as he sees fit. A remarkable transformation. Faith receives knowledge. Faith gives its assent to that knowledge. But thirdly, faith involves a trust. And that was the third aspect of Rahab's faith. Faith commits itself to God, relying on God's salvation, turning its back on every other safety route. That's what Rahab did. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord, you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you'll spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Now in the same way, uh, when someone comes to faith in Jesus, that must be uh, the final stage of saving faith. It comes that point where you say to the Lord, Lord, I am trusting in your provision. I believe that I'm in a desperately needy situation because I've broken your commandments. And no longer am I trusting on my efforts to do good or even to be better. I am trusting in Jesus as the one who took the punishment for my law-breaking. And I'm also turning my back on every other option, every other religion, every other self-help method. And I'm looking only to Jesus. He alone is my hope. Rahab was effectively doing that as she turned her back on the Canaanite gods and trusted in the God of Israel. So it could be said of her, uh, as it was said of Abraham, Rahab believed God and it was counted to her as righteousness. Rahab was saved by faith. Thirdly, there's the evidence of faith. It's interesting in the New Testament when you read what uh, James and Hebrews have to say about Rahab, they both point to the actions of Rahab, which demonstrated her faith. So James writes, uh, was not even Rahab, the prostitute, considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? The faith that saved Rahab was an alone faith. Didn't have anything mingled in with it apart from faith in in Christ. But that faith did not remain alone. It was evidenced. And the evidence, the acts of faith that Rahab showed carried a huge amount of risk. If she were to be discovered hiding the spies, obviously it would not go well with her. If the spies were caught and interrogated and perhaps under torture, uh, revealed her identity, again, it would not go well with her. But Rahab gave lodging to the spies and the next day she let them down out of the window and sent them off in a different direction to her pursuers. Faith can't remain invisible. Faith is never a private matter. if If you're trusting in Jesus... It must evidence itself in a changed lifestyle. 
a changed uh, pattern of, of behaviour, changed commitments. If Rahab was caught, think about this, if Rahab was caught, there was plenty of evidence to convict her. Could that be said of each one of us? If we were to be accused of being a Christian, people have to search hard for the, for the evidence. Or would it be manifest as it was in the case of Rahab? Two spies agree that Rahab will be spared. They insist that she hangs a red cord, which they give to her, out of her window so that her home will be recognised by the invading army. Remember, Rahab's home is built into the wall of the city. So the car hanging out of her window would be seen from the outside. Also, all the family are to be gathered in. The spies and the army of Israel can't be held responsible for the deaths of any of her family members if they're found outside Rahab's house. They all must be gathered in. Now, some of the early commentators uh, who were maybe a bit quick to find uh, types of Christ and, and, and his work in the Old Testament uh, would identify the, the red cord uh, that Rahab sets out the window as uh, the cross of Christ and the red blood that flowed from it. And I can understand how, how you would see that. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's an understandable move. But we need to be careful about making a type what the New Testament doesn't make a type. Otherwise, there is no control. You see, we can read too much into the Old Testament, so we need to, to go cautiously. But I think there is a general truth here. God's salvation is given in covenants. When God uh, acts to save, he gives uh, a sign along with a promise. And I think it's arguable, at least, that you can see these elements here. There's a hint of a covenant sign. And certainly, God's covenant embraces families. It has an impact not only on the one professing faith, but on their families. And certainly, Rahab's faith now has an impact on her own household. They're gathered in. They're going to be saved when the army comes. Remember that. Grace does not just affect individuals. It impacts families also. Covenant faith is... Household faith. That's a huge encouragement for those of us especially who perhaps have been praying for members of our families who are not yet converted. Pray on with faith because grace has invaded the household. Grace invaded Rahab's household. Lastly, the encouragement of faith. Two spies come back with a word of encouragement for Joshua. They told him everything that had happened to them. They said to Joshua, The Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. How different was that from the, the negativity of the, the ten spies who had gone out with Joshua 38 years earlier? The spies' conviction uh, is not just in regard to, to Jericho, but the whole land. Uh, if God can do this to Jericho, uh, if God can make the inhabitants of Jericho quake with fear, then 
Surely there's nothing that is beyond the reach of God's army. The whole land lies before them for the taking. And similarly, and more wonderfully, with Rahab. If God can save a Rahab, there is no one who is beyond his reach. An obscure Canaanite, living on immoral earnings, her mind darkened by paganism. She hears of the mighty acts of God. She believes and is saved. And when we come to uh, one of these genealogies in the gospel that uh, early readers especially find uh, so troublesome, we have this little nugget tucked away. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rehab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of King David. What a staggering fact. Rahab is not only saved, but she's inserted into our royal line. The line of David. The line of the Messiah. Staggering. We come down the line from Rahab to Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. What unspeakable dignity to give to Rahab. She's not only mentioned in the same breath as Abraham by James, she's in the line of Jesus. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. And friends, that really gives the lie to the idea that's peddled that uh, there are simply some people who are hardwired to be religious. You know, that there are people who are more inclined because of their temperament uh, to be Christians and to, to go to church and worship. That's absolute rubbish. If someone like Rahab can be converted, can come from a gross darkness into the light of the family of God, it is a demonstration of the power of God to save whom he will. God is rescuing Rahab's all around the world today. And therefore, as we go out into this very special week of evangelism, as we pray and prepare for uh, Wednesday night, let us not believe the lie of the devil that some people are beyond the scope of the gospel. Rahab is a shining example of the fact that God is willing and able to save the very darkest of sinners. Rahab, the prostitute in the line of the Messiah. Praise God.